Good morning, my name is Allie Cranmer, and I get to do our final bit of the series that we're in on Advent, Enlarged in the Waiting. And today we're going to focus in on the three kings, or the three wise men. Here's the deal, I usually have papers, and I couldn't get printers to work this morning. So I learned a lesson not to wait until the last second to do that. So we're going to try this on a computer, and I'm sorry, just know that that is not my intention to be on a screen while... Hopefully we're learning together in this. So anyways, my name again is Allie and I'm really excited to talk to you. So we just had Christmas and I don't know about you, but it felt really different, huh? For me it did because it was 60 degrees and we got to play outside, which was, I looked at my husband halfway through the day and I said, I could kind of get used to this. I mean, I love this weather all the time, but the truth is I love Christmas And every Christmas, for as long as I can remember, by the end of the night, I well up with emotions and I want to cry because the day went too fast. Everything that we had planned for the whole month is now done. And I have to wait a whole nother year for this to happen again. That seems crazy. And so for me, by the end of Christmas Day, it's really sad. But then by the next day, I get really excited because I anticipate the next year. I get to start dreaming about the future. I get to start planning all the things that I'm sure God has planned for me. Did you catch that? I plan what he's planned for me. That's probably not exactly how that went. But anyways, but that is what I do. And then I love thinking about what my next year's word will be. But I miss the in-between. And so I jump from Christmas to New Year's and forget that there's actually this little bit of the 12 days of Christmas season that I skip over. So the girls and I have been talking, we have two daughters, and my daughters and I have been talking about this quite a bit because they said Christmas is over. And I was like, but guess what? The 12 days of Christmas actually starts December 26th until Epiphany. And Epiphany is January 6th. And today that's where we're actually going to talk a little bit about it. We're going to talk about Epiphany, but I want to define some words because little did I realize this week that I didn't know a lot of the words that I use during the Christmas season. So for instance, we were driving last Monday to the Holly jo- the Jolly Holiday Lights. Don't ever go on December 23. You will wait in a line for an hour and a half to get in. It was beautiful, don't get me wrong, but we were waiting in a very long line and our daughters from the back of the van yelled forward, Mom, Dad, what's nativity mean? Well, I don't know. I just used the word. And the other adults in the car, I looked at them and said, come on. Do you know? None of us knew what that word means. So I want to help define that word really fast. And then epiphany, because if you're anything like me, you probably have thought, well, epiphany, that's a season and it's a church word. And there has to be this grand meaning. And the truth is we probably already know the meaning. But I want to define both of those for us this morning. And then I want us to just pause and step into the 12 days of Christmas before next Sunday when we jump and get ready for a new school year in a new decade. So this Christmas season, our family, we have an eight and a five-year-old. And for, honestly, the first time we've had really great conversations. We've started to enter into reflection of what, who is Jesus and why did he need to be born? What does that mean for us? We've been learning together. We've been able to process. And one of our favorite books to read during this season is Unwrapping the Greatest Gift. And every day it's a devotional and then they give you questions to answer, but they beautifully describe from creation to Jesus's birth. And then where's the line? Where's that thread that Jesus has been throughout all of history? So we love this book. We've actually been able to go through it, which is like a proud mother moment because I've been trying to force us into this for years. And this was the year 
year that we could start going into it. Do any of you moms relate to that where you're like, oh, I have these beautiful dreams. Okay, good. Not just me. Well, we were able to do that. And then we were able to talk about who Jesus was. And in the midst of the question about nativity, I looked it up and realized that nativity actually only means the occasion of a person's birth. So Jesus's nativity happened in Bethlehem. My nativity happened on January 28th, 1984 in Hoffman Estates, Illinois, in the middle of Steve Martin's SNL monologue. That's very specific, but it's true. I very, my parents have always told me that, and I remembered Steve Martin's opening monologue. That's when my, well, now I get to say nativity happened. But the word epiphany, like I said, is actually something that I've always thought had a bigger meaning. I mean, it's a whole season. It's this time when all of a sudden, beautiful things started happening. But like I said earlier as well, the truth is, you know the definition already. It is to cause to appear, to bring something into the light, an aha moment. It's the sudden realization that something that you thought has now changed. And man, are the gospels full of that. And actually the beginning of each gospel is full and filled with epiphanies. Each gospel starts with an epiphany. Different ones, but epiphanies. So let me share a few of them with you. The first one I want to share about is Jesus' baptism. He goes into the water and all of a sudden the heavens open and God speaks his father and says, My son, I love you. This is my son. And then the Holy Spirit comes down as a dove. There was an epiphany in that moment. He wasn't just a man. God Father God spoke and claimed him in front of people. And then there was another epiphany that happened. It was the wedding feast where Jesus and his disciples and Mary are at this party, this wedding, and they run out of wine, which probably doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but it was actually pretty shameful to run out of wine because that means you didn't care for your guests really well. And Mary runs up to her son and says, do something about this. And he looks at her and says, this is not my time to do this, mom. This is Allie's version of it. So sorry, that's not what the Bible actually says. But this is not my time to do this, mom. And then all of a sudden, she stands in her authority in the belief, the true belief of who her son is. And she says nothing to her son and looks at the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. Which I find so fascinating that she just straight up ignores her son, her son Jesus, who God had just claimed, And then goes on to say, do whatever he tells you to do. And then he tells the servants, grab water jars, six of them, fill them with water, then give them to the master of ceremonies, who was the the guy that was throwing the party, the big honcho, and then serve him the water that you got. And that man drinks it and he says, whoa, most often people do not serve the best wine for last, but you have the best for last. Epiphany. All of a sudden, Jesus reveals himself as the miracle man, as the man who does incredible things that are beyond anything that we can comprehend. In both of these circumstances, Jesus was the aha moment. If there was doubts in their minds, if, there, if he was the true Messiah, now it was coming true. The lights were going on. He is the Messiah. He is the one that we've been waiting for. And the aha moment is revealed. 
the nativity story has an aha moment as well. And it happens a number of times, but today I want us to focus in on the wise men and King Herod. So I'm really excited to talk about this because I'm actually Puerto Rican. I'm half Puerto Rican. My dad came from Puerto Rico when he was young with his family for more opportunities and a different life. And when they moved here, they adopted many of the cultures and customs of America. So they came to the continental United States, adopted many of the cultures and customs. But one of the things that they lost in the midst of that was Three Kings Day. And in my culture, in many Latin American countries, they celebrate Three Kings Day. And it is always January 6th. And they put out water and hay for the camels. And then they wait in anticipation for those kings to come. So the kids will leave hay, like a path of hay, anticipating that the camels will need a break in their long journey back to Bethlehem. And then they leave water out so the camels can get refreshment. And by the way, on the way, they are hopeful that the three kings that left the exact same three gifts, left three gifts for Jesus, will now leave them three gifts again. And so in Latin American cultures, you will see and hear a lot about Three Kings Day. Well, today I want to share this story, but I want to share it from one of my favorite Bibles. The Jesus Storybook Bible. I know it is a children's Bible, and I know that you're probably like, okay, so there's not much depth to you. There is much depth to me, but the reason I love this Bible, actually, I hope there's depth to me, but I love this Bible is because it illustrates everything so beautifully. So another fun fact about who I am is that I used to be a youth and young adult minister in the Chicagoland area at a liturgical church. And every Sunday, they would invite kids forward for a children's sermon. And all the kids would be able to participate. And they would read scripture and they would answer questions. And then in this children's sermon, you're going to get a sucker. And, all, and it would be such a beautiful moment. So I would like for us to do that again today because I know we have a lot of kids with us. So if you are a kid and or you want to be a kid, come on forward and ask the adults around you because they may want a sucker too. So ask the adults around you, do you need to bring them back a sucker? But come on forward and I'm going to read us about the three kings from the storybook Bible. Yep, and you can sit on the stage. My kids were so excited about that opportunity. All right, go ahead, have a seat, and then we can grab suckers at the end. Don't worry about that. I should have maybe said that at the beginning, sorry. You do? That's awesome. You do too? Yay. So a few of them have this book at their house. They, just so you know, they let me know that too. The, the king of all kings. Far away in the east, three clever men saw the very same star, the star that God had put in the sky when Jesus was born. They knew it was a sign. A baby king had been born. They had been waiting for this star. They knew it would come. He's here, they shouted, he's here. And I'm sure if you'd been there, you would have heard them laughing and dancing and singing until the sun came up too. Well, at dawn, they packed up their camels and wrapped the gifts for the baby. They brought their most precious treasures of all. Frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Can you say that? Frankincense, gold, and myrrh. Well done. 
special, sparkly, lovely smelling, gleaming things just right for a king. The three wise men, actually, if you'd met them, you would have thought that they were kings because they were so rich and clever and important looking. Well, those guys, they set off. They rode their camels across endless deserts, up steep, steep mountains, down into deep, deep valleys, through raging rivers, over grassy plains, night and day and day and night, hours that turned into days, that turned into weeks, that turned into months and months, until at last they reached Jerusalem. Jerusalem was by far the most important city for miles around. And as anyone can tell you, that's where a palace would be and the kings would be born in palaces. So that's where they went. But they were in for a surprise, an epiphany, an aha moment. But this king wasn't there. They went to see King Herod and surely he'd know where this baby was, but he didn't. And in fact, he didn't like the sound of the new king. It made him cross. It made him mad. And he didn't want anyone to be king except him. But Herod's advisors told the three wise men what was written in their book, what God had said about the baby. Go to Bethlehem. That's where you'll find him. Suddenly the star that they had seen in the east started moving again, showing them the way. So the three wise men followed the star out of the big city, along the road into a little town named Bethlehem. They followed the star through the streets of Bethlehem, out of the nice part of town through the not-so-nice part of town, and into the really not-so-nice part of town, down a little dirt track until it stopped right over a little house. But wait, it wasn't a palace, and there weren't any guards or servants or flags or red carpets or trumpets or anything. Did they get it wrong? Or is this what God meant? Sure enough, in that little house, there sitting on his mother's knee, they found him, the baby king. The three men knelt before the little king. They took off their rich royal turbans and gleaming golden crowns and bowed their noble heads to the ground and gave him their sparkling treasures. The journey that had begun so many centuries before had led three wise men here, to a little town, to a little house, to a little child. To the king God had promised David all those years before. But this child was a new kind of king. Though he was the prince of heaven, he had become poor. And though he was the mighty God, he had become helpless like a baby. This king hadn't come to be the boss. He had come to be a servant. All right, guys, you did so good. So you can grab another sucker if you want and then head on back and we're going to talk about it with those around us, okay? Okay, so when the kids get back, would you get into small groups and then will you talk about what stuck out to you from this version of the story?
All right. Can I ask, what are some of the things that stuck out to you from this version of the story? Kids, kids can answer. Adults can answer. But what stuck out to you? Other than the delicious sucker that I really want to. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so can I ask what your name is? Laurel. Laurel. Okay, what Laurel shared was she didn't know was that they went to a little house to find Jesus. Laurel, that was so beautiful. Thanks for sharing that. Anyone else? Okay, yes. Oh. Yeah, that the wise men were clever men. You didn't know that. That was a good one. What about you? That the star actually moved. That the star actually moved. Isn't that interesting? Anything else? Miss Kayla, you got something? What's the star look like? That's a good question. I don't know. I hope someday we can ask Jesus that in heaven. I wonder if it looked like a normal star. Do you think it looked a little different? Yeah, I wonder if it was really big and bright. That was a good question, Kayla. Well, some of the things that I loved about the story, which don't you just love that version? I love that version of the story because it expands on things that we know and then it helps our imaginations play with it a a bit more. But a few of the things that I love about this story was that it took them a really long time to get to Jesus. And although I probably assumed that, I didn't know that because these guys came from the East and it took them a long time. And so I love the picture of Jesus as a toddler sitting on his mom's knee. Because oftentimes when I jump straight from Christmas into New Year's and I remember that there's an epiphany that happens in there, I think that's like just a few days. But when he's a toddler, well, now that, that was quite a bit of time. And those wise men traveled quite a bit of ways to come meet this anticipated king. So that's one of the things I love. One of the other things is that they wrapped their best for the King of Kings. And I love that this story actually really goes into that, that they wrapped their most sparkly, their most smelly, in a good way, their fragrant is probably the word you should use, the most fragrant things for Jesus. Well, in this story, we can see that they said that they were clever, which was such a great thing to bring to our attention. And these men could have been called the three smartest or the three richest or the three noblest, but the three wise men was the thing that encapsulates all of those words together. They were actually astrologers, which you probably also knew, but they practice Zoroastrianism, which is a religion from Persia that went after and looking at the stars and magic and 
They did fortune telling. So they were people that practiced a very different religion than, than was accustomed to in that area. These three men were known for their knowledge of studying stars. And it was in their knowledge of studying stars that they realized that Jesus was a king based on their interpretation of the stars. These three men had three names, Casper, Melchior, and Belthazar. So I'm going to give us the meaning of their names because for me, meanings of names, and if you look at names, they have a prophetic piece to them. They're not just coincidence. Even if, so my name came from my parents watching a movie. And even though it just, it may have seemed like, oh, it just came from a movie. There's actually meaning behind a name. And there's a place where the Lord gives our parents that names, even if they weren't believers, as a prophetic piece for our destiny. So our names have a destiny piece attached to them. And Casper means keeper of treasure. Melchior means king splendor. And Belteshar means protect the king. The gold offered by one of these wise men was an acknowledgement of Jesus' royal standing, that he was the king of the Jews. The frankincense reveals his divine nature, that this baby was not a baby of earth, but he was a baby of heaven and earth. He was the son of God. The myrrh was often used to embalm corpses. And it was gifted to the newborn as a symbol of Jesus's mortality, but then led to a foreshadowing of his death and was going to be the means of his cleansing the humanity for sins. These wise men were the very first Gentiles that Jesus revealed himself to. The revelation showed that all people were welcome to come to the Lord. All people were invited to bow before him. All were considered valuable to God, no matter their shape, no matter their size, no matter the color of skin, no matter their nationality or their socioeconomic status, or even who they were before, no matter their religion. All were going to be invited to come and bow before the king and kings to realize and to acknowledge that when we bow, we are confessing he is the Lord of lords and king of kings. The wise men get to see the lights turn on as they realize that this baby king is not the king that they were anticipating in that palace. But then we also get to see King Herod's lights turn on when all of a sudden he realizes, oh wait, I'm not the best king out there. I'm not this king of kings. But then we see the turmoil inside of him as he has a freak out moment and tries to figure out how can he get that control back or keep that control forever. Okay, so I want to pause this for a second because I wondered a lot about how they traveled. Because oftentimes the stories or our nativity scenes make it seem like There's just three guys traveling together. And although that may have been possible, the truth is culturally that couldn't have been possible. Rich people back then did not travel alone. They always had servants and other people. They had camels. There weren't those hotels and motels and holiday inns that we are used to. Instead, they needed to carry all of their stuff with them. Because wherever they were, they needed to be able to set up camp and rest. I kind of like to envision this moment as 
Aladdin, you know, in the movie Aladdin, when he says, I want to be the prince and that's how he's going to get Jasmine. And then they change him into a prince. And then all of a sudden he has elephants and there's acrobats everywhere. And then the song goes, Prince Ali, fabulous he. Yes, I was so hoping that was going to happen. That was great. Okay, so that's what I envision happening. And it may not have been like that, but the truth is King Herod would have known they were coming. King Herod would have seen or heard or someone would have gone before them to let him know that very important people were coming to him. And since Herod was not a humble man, I can only imagine that when the parade of people were approaching the palace, that he was like, oh yeah, today they're going to tell me how wonderful I am. And I'm going to get all of this gold. I'm going to get all of this stuff from them. And then when his aha moment happened, and he realized that the adoration wasn't about him, and that the fanfare had nothing to do with him, He got scared and he let fear take over him. For me, the interesting thing about the wise men and Herod is that actually their epiphanies happen in a very similar way. The all-powerful, almighty King of Kings and Lord of Lords met them exactly where they were. Their places that they would most commonly be in the palace, looking at stars, they were met by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I love that because isn't that so like God? He wants to meet us exactly where we are whenever we exactly need him. He isn't saying, do this, do that, get this right. You need to have this. He is saying, I want to meet you today in this moment where you're at because that is where I love you. I love that. But the difference was only the wise men saw it. Only the wise men believed it. Only the wise men were willing to lay it all down before the, king, the kings. Only the wise men brought their best. Only the wise men searched for the glory of the one true king. While the other cowered in fear and made more rules to control a situation. See, for the wise men, noticing a star took them on a journey. And following a star made them soldiers of the king. Perseverance in the pilgrimage led them to the very best. And they got to meet the king of kings. They encountered his glory. They fell on their knees and they changed because of that encounter. So one of the things I always try to pray for our students, one of the things I always try to pray for people is that we have one encounter. One encounter changes everything. And when we have one encounter, God can do big things things in that one encounter if we let him. And that's the difference. Herod ran from the one encounter, but the wise men chose in to the one encounter. So to end our time today, I want to invite us into something called Acts Prayer. And it is going to be a guided prayer time for us as a church family to participate in, in this room. So Acts is an acronym. It means adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And our children's ministry actually does this quite a bit. And so our children might be leading the way in today, which I love. But if you're anything like me and you heard those four words, you're probably thinking, 
there is no way I'm going to confess in front of people. So well done with that idea. But I want to tell you a story really fast. This summer, Mike Redman in the sanctuary was inviting all of us into a time of confession. And immediately our oldest daughter confessed out loud. And I was sitting next to her and my thought was, okay, that was beautiful. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, okay, mama. And I looked at her and I thought and smiled and tried to come up with any excuse not to have to do it. But I knew that the Holy Spirit was actually inviting me to trust him and to learn from my daughter. So I confessed something and then she confessed something and we went back and forth until that pause ended. And I wanna say today, if the Lord does something in you, if the Holy Spirit wells up in you and you feel like you're gonna burst, whether it's for adoration, confession, thanksgiving, or to pray for someone, and you're about to burst, will you be obedient to the Holy Spirit in that? Will you choose him because of his invitation, not because of what's going on around us, not because of who might hear us? And the truth is our eyes will be shut, so we shouldn't know who's saying anything. But I say this today because each one of us may have those moments during these next few minutes. So there's permission for multiple people to speak at the exact same time. That feels less threatening, doesn't that? There's permission for us to really be able to experience the freedom of who God is and for us to learn together as a family. And so kids, can you look at me for a second? Lead us in this. I invite you to lead us in this. Because as an adult, I've become scared to do this out loud. So will you lead us in this? So I want us to experience the glory of who he is. I want us to experience his freedom and forgiveness. I want us to experience the joy as we get to pray for one another. And like I said, I'll invite us into each part. I will lead us into each part. And then I'll just leave a pause. And it's okay if it's silent. But if you feel risky, courageous, brave, Pour it out. This is holy ground. And we get to worship him. So adoration will be the characteristics and attributes that we love about God. Confession, one word. What is one word? Thanksgiving, what is a word or two of thanksgiving you have for God? And then we will be praying a special way for blessings of supplication. But again, I will lead us and invite us into each section. So will you pray with me as we close our time out? Father, thank you that your invitation and your desire is for us to always be encountering you. And so God, today we just want to adore you. We want to love you. We want to be right with you. We want to thank you. And God, we want to worship and praise you. And God, thank you that we get to adore you. And God, I thank you that as a family today, we get to adore you together. And so Father, I thank you for being a savior. Thank you for being king of kings.
Father, we praise you for being King of kings and Lord of lords. And Jesus, we adore you for the ways that you meet us very personally. And so God, thank you that your promise is to wipe us as white as snow as soon as we confess. And so God, I pray that, yeah, that you, that we will feel the invitation to confess today in our hearts or out loud or in our minds. God, that we will feel chains break as we come before you in confession. And so Jesus, I confess fear. Father, thank you that your love is deep. And it's deeper than what we may feel the pit of any of our sins are. And so God, thank you for your true forgiveness. Thank you for your extended hand at all times. And so God, we just want to thank you. We want to just give you thanksgiving for the different things you've been doing in our life, specifically in 2019 even. So God, will you give us just even glimpses? Will you remind us of those occasions that you showed up so that we can thank you for those? So Jesus, I thank you that you are a rescuer. Thank you that you're always inviting. Jesus, thank you for all the ways you meet us in each and every day. Okay, friends, so we are going to have supplication, but this is how we're going to do this. I want us to cross barriers, as in gaps, aisles, and we're going to lay hands on each other's shoulders. I know it's cold and flu season, which is why we will not touch hands, but we will touch shoulders. And so will you stand up and cross barriers and actually touch a person's shoulder? And then I'll tell us how we're going to pray.
All right, so we are gonna pray for our people on our left and our right. And we are actually gonna pray two things. We're gonna pray for the person, we're gonna pray for each person the same way, but we're gonna ask the Lord to give them an epiphany of who he is and who they are in him. And then we're just gonna pray blessing over their new year, okay? So to the person on your right first, will you do that? An epiphany of who they are and who God is in them. And then blessing over their new year, will you do that? And now will you pray for the person on your left, the exact same thing. now I'm going to bless you. May the light of Christ come. May it shine on us this day. May the glory of the Lord rise upon us like the sun appearing at dawn. And may we bless the glorious name of the Lord forever. Amen. Happy New Year, friends. We'll see you in 2020.